this is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill. The story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want. You take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland. And I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. This is Monica Perez, your libertarian voice on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. And I'm talking about the Republican National Convention. I'm open to your viewpoints, your reactions, if you thought it united the party, if you thought it scared people, you know, outside of the, the party. I think there was an element of that. I played a clip by Giuliani earlier where he's just screaming, and it looks like, honestly looked like he was had practiced like hand gestures and stuff. I mean, it was really looked by design. I thought that was a little noticeable, a little obvious, but uh, I'm open to any any uh, reactions you want to give me, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show. I did want to tell you that this week I'm going to have actually two events that I'm going to. Uh, that one is Tuesday night is a Tea Party event in Buford, Georgia, the United Tea Party of Georgia. If uh, you're a Tea Partier, you listen to my show, you probably don't agree with everything I say, but this is a crowd who's really going to want to, wants to get the, make a difference, talk about the issues. I'm really looking forward to that. You can find the details on my website, MonicaPerezShow.com. And I also am having an event on Thursday, Liberty on the Rocks, for the, uh, libertarian crowd and that's going to be fun too again you that's in roswell you can uh find that information it's posted at the top of my website also monicaperezshow.com so if you're interested in that that would be great and uh, oh one more thing i'm going to have an ask the libertarian show august 6th so go to that website my website and email me questions that you want to ask the libertarian or ask me they could be personal it can be political it can be philosophical uh just pure libertarian whatever you want or you can post something like that uh for me on my facebook or twitter ask libertarian is coming up so that all said let me get to my calls i always do it in the order of how long people are waiting but um so i'm going to start with michael and uh, get to sarah next hi michael you are on with monica hey monica thanks for having me i had uh tweeted you earlier on this simple as abc oh yes yes i and see that i appreciate you uh mentioning that i i thought about your never trump versus abc and i thought back to when i first voted for president in 1972 um i'll be 65 next year so that was first time i was eligible to vote and i don't think i've had a whole lot of choice in my uh voting lifetime for president i had george mcgovern and richard nixon that year uh, Jimmy Carter, Gerald Ford, 76, and, and Ford, uh, to where, you know, we had W and Al Gore in 2000, which, I mean, you talk about no choice. Uh, John Kerry, was that a choice? Yeah, were that the two? Later? They were both in Skull and Bones that year. <laughs> 15 people a year in Skull and Bones, and those two guys were both in Skull and Bones. Yes, I would say that if you really believe, as I do, that there's a power elite that rises above the parties, that the loyalty of people like that are to a, to a power elite, then that's no choice. Well, I've kid my bride uh, because she said, had she known I voted for Jimmy Carter in 76, she never would have 
dated me. We got married the next year. Uh, but I, I've told her, I think Donald Trump is bringing back the old American party. Does that ring a bell? Uh, it does ring a vague bell. Yes, they were, it does. They were more commonly referred to as the know-nothings. Yes. So do I have to hold my nose and vote for him over uh, Hillary and Bill as co-presidents? Absolutely. That's what I'm going to have to do. Because I don't think Gary Johnson and Bill, is it Bill Weld? William Weld, yeah, Bill Weld. William Weld have an honest shot at doing anything other than taking uh, votes away from uh, Trump, which is going to give them to Clinton. So, And the funny thing about that, I have, I predicted for a long time, I I think that this election cycle, I mean, my, my worst fears about this is that it is really an orchestrated event to get Hillary elected. And that, and, and part, the reason I stand by that is that I made predictions that were in accordance with this theory. And I feel like if your theory predicts outcomes, it's, you know, you can keep the theory for a while anyway, that they would use this to weaken the libertarian party, to make it look bad, to set it up. And the first thing they did was put William Weld, a good friend of Hillary's. He actually said that on his CNN town hall or whatever it was. Yeah. CNN town hall that they were good friends. And, uh, he's wasn't even a good Republican. He's not a good libertarian. And they are telling us, people are telling us now to vote libertarian. And they're even saying, oh, it looks like the Hillary polls, uh, libertarians are going to take more people from Hillary, which is not true. Now, I personally, because I don't believe in the two-party system, I, I think that you're going to get, they are going to tax us no matter who's in the White House, who's in Congress. They're going to tax us as much as we will take. And they will, on top of that, always layer on some debt for their banker friends. And really, the only issue that they ever really worry about is if they can keep the wars going and who is going to bring them their wars. And I think this time, Hillary will be more successful bringing the wars because Trump is too polarizing. So that's the only real difference I see. But I personally have a moral problem with voting, uh, you know, have to vote for who I believe is a moral actor. So I'd probably just write in Ron Paul. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, really sorry. quickly, you had also mentioned Bernie Sanders as someone that, if, if you're thinking of conspiracy theories, may have been put up as yes. a candidate to yes. bring out some votes that, that got uh, President Obama elected over Hillary back in 08 uh, simply by winning the Democratic nomination. He was going to be the president, because I don't think any... A Republican, right? Agreed. Jesus, yes, Jesus Christ on the ticket. That was the yes. There was, it was going to be a Democrat no matter what. Yes, but, I agree. I think that Bernie Sanders thing. I remember this Axelrod, David Axelrod quote. Hillary's problem is that she she's the heir apparent that people want to feel like they have a choice. And really, it was right after that that around that time that Bernie was getting all sorts of free media, just like they used to laugh these guys out of the room, just like they did to Ron Paul. Ron Paul is an example of a guy the establishment doesn't want, which is why he did not get free media. Sanders and Trump get the free media, so you've got to smell a rat just based on that. Absolutely, and I love your show. Uh, Thanks for getting me back involved in uh, social media, and I'll keep following. Ah, thanks, Michael. That's great. And what I really like, I'm sure Michael doesn't doesn't agree with everything I say, and uh, who? Uh, nobody does. Nobody agrees 100% with their own spouses, as he points out. But uh, but it is really good to have the stimulate some thought, have the exchange of ideas. And I'm um, going to Sarah and Roswell, buckling my seatbelt. Sarah, go ahead. Okay. Um, hello, Monica. Hi. I, 
I don't know if you realize you are an example of the typical pundit or and or opinion person out there in the media who are insulting the intelligence of the voters for Donald Trump, many of whom are CEOs and businessmen. When you make comments like, well, you know, they're attracted to his uh, reality TV aura. No, I didn't say they were attracted to that. No, no, no. You misunderstand completely. And I am not a typical example of anything in the media. Well, I think No, here, let, wait a second. I'm going to just counter that and then you can keep going. I... I'm not saying that he that he's attractive because he's a reality TV star. I'm saying he is able to play this role. It's much worse than you think, Sarah, what I think. No, it isn't, ma'am. And I'm telling you, you are so out. This is what is the problem. You are out of touch with the deep feelings of the people voting for him. You're totally out of touch. But what, what, what do you mean? Why, why, why should I? About Look, hold on. My goal is not to... Be in touch with your feelings. My goal is to analyze what I think is going on and share it with people so that You're we can wrong. talk about it. You're wrong because people are caring about what he's saying. They don't care about his background or, or his... Sarah, own. I'm not saying that. I'm saying I believe that this is not authentic. That's what I'm saying. It's, I'm telling you, I'm worse than you think. That's what I'm saying to you. I understand what you're saying. About the, you are sarcastic about the message there and what no. I did. You're kind of laughing at how, yeah, he just was trying to scare people. He must have been really... Pr- yes, you are trying to. You act superior. I'm not sarcastic. you run for president and see how far you get. And by the way, Monica, the libertarian, what would we have done if a libertarian had been in the White House when we had to go fight in World War II or World War I. Well, I'll tell you, libertarian policies actually prevent wars like that. It was entering World War I, which the United States people did not want and we had no business in, that set up World War II for, uh, for the... I lost Sarah. Shoot, you call back, Sarah. Um, that... Entering World War One created the circumstances for World War Two. Some people even continue consider World War Two a continuation of World War One. If you stick to your principles, which is you can't get involved in a war that is not a just war, then you stay out of trouble. And that's what George Washington read George Washington's farewell address. It's very informative on that, and even Eisenhower's farewell address. But look, Sarah, I am sorry that I upset people. I don't like it, and I'm not sarcastic. I might laugh and try to keep it light because it's, it's, I'm serious as a heart attack, and it's not good. You know, like, it's hard to listen to. But I'm not sarcastic, and I don't make fun of people. I have a serious, it, it saddens me. It, I think that this is a, I feel like we're so deceived by the mainstream media that, that we're not even seeing the reality of what this two-party system is. It's, it's hard stuff to express to you, to get, get across. I'm going to read you some stuff. Somebody else had called and asked me what I thought the most important issues were. And, I, and propaganda, the problem with propaganda is one of them. I'm going to really dig into that uh, probably at the top of the next hour. I've got some other stuff on tap. Uh, thank you for the call. 
404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. 83 degrees and there are storms happening out there. So stay tuned to WSB for the weekend weather brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. Ryland people, I don't think there's any way not to. Talking about uh, the RNC, the convention this week, but the election in general, uh, emotions are running high. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I am going to Nathan and Winder. Hi, Nathan. You're on with Monica. Hey, Monica. Um, I think the best thing to come out of the RNC was um, Ted Cruz saying that he uh, wanted people to vote uh, on their conscience and not out of fear. I know. I'm annoyed he stole that line from me. I'm getting scooped all over the place. I think <laughs> that's why I vote Ron Paul. Oh, yeah. But um, I think t- um, Donald Trump is more of the same. He's just um, he's giving a bunch of problems, and he doesn't offer any real solutions. He doesn't talk about the Federal Reserve. Nothing that's really important. That's the thing. It, if If you're not exposing what's going on behind the scenes in the Middle East, like if you just a cursory view of any, you know, you can't get it from mainstream media because it's propaganda. But if you dig in at all and you realize they don't take out the radical Islamists in Saudi Arabia, who 15 of 19 of the 9-11 hijackers were Saudi, according to the official narrative. And so is Osama bin Laden. If you're not taking those people out, but you take out, secular Arab leaders and that creates these refugee crises, terrorism, stuff like that. How can you not, uh, how do you support the official narrative on all that stuff, which doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to, you know, make the glass, the sand glass. Now that was a cruise line, but I'm just saying if, if Trump and Sanders came out and really said, look, non-intervention would be safer for us if they said that, then I would not think they were in on it, but they're not saying that. Also, um, I work with a lot of liberals. Uh, they are African-American, and a lot of them are actually really scared of Hillary. They think she's cold, um, and she's like a, uh, <laughs> a robot. I figured but, uh, it had to be pretty bad. If She had to be virtually unelectable if they're going through what I think is a lot of trouble to get her elected. I mean, I think they are actually demonizing. I think Rupert Murdoch just took over for Roger Ailes at Fox, and I personally think Rupert Murdoch is a Democrat, or at least a Democrat sympathizer. And uh, on the other side, CNN is surely Democrat, and they, they're they they're deciding how to, how to frame this stuff, and I feel like they are really deliberately making the Republicans look scarier uh, because Hillary is just so unpopular that they have to make the Republicans unbelievably unpopular in the like to middle America, I think. Oh yeah, all I heard from Trump was more government control. That's pretty well, much all well. That's the thing. They tra- the real grassroots on the right is is about liberty and the Bill of Rights and stuff. But what they're presenting it as is this populism, this demand that we take government back and use it for us, and and that's not. Uh, an individualist message. That's not a real grassroots message. That's why I kind of smell a rat. Lines are still going crazy. 800-WSB-TALK or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. You got me excited because this would truly be both an adventure 
and a learning experience. Monica Perez on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Hey, I'm your libertarian voice on WSB, and we are talking about the RNC, the Republican National Convention, and people. I think the problem is that there is too much. Uh, people are so afraid that the other person is going to win. Trust me, Hillary is the worst possible choice, in my opinion, because she is going to prosecute wars, really push wars in the Middle East that uh, will make us less safe because it'll create more refugee problems, more terrorism. I don't want her, but there are a lot of high emotions here uh, because so much is at stake, and I don't deny that. Uh, I do have uh, my next caller. Uh, I'm going to click in. Hi, David. Uh, you're on with Monica. Say hello. Hi, hello. <laughs> Uh, David is invited me to an event this week. He uh, at the United Tea Party of Georgia. You want to talk a bit about that? You want to just tell people the when and where for that, David? Uh, sure. We we actually meet three times a month. This is our meeting in the Buford and Swanee area, and it's up on Praise the Lord Barbecue. Up uh, at Praise the Lord Barbecue, which is almost in Buford. Most people who are from that area certainly know where it is. It's on uh, Buford Highway, just south of uh, Twenty, up there in. Pretty much like I say in Buford. So this is starts, starts at seven o'clock yeah. on Tuesday night. Yeah, but you can come a little early if you want to grab some food. Sure, we'll open the doors at six o'clock. Okay, and uh, just just so people, I love to exchange ideas. So my guess is that everybody at this uh, event, tea partiers, and David. We, I'm certain, will not agree on everything, but I really love to exchange ideas. But David, also, I understand that you were a delegate at the convention. Yes, I was. And, yeah, you know, can't... I was a little scared, actually, to call your show after the first 90 minutes. It's it's uh, kind of a hostile crowd out there. I'm sorry. And you know what? I hate to... I think it was very generous of you to invite me to your event. I mean, it's... it's What I say is very controversial, and I don't mean... I don't go out of my way to be controversial. I really... It, it, it disturbs me that I... That what I say is upsetting, and I don't want to paint you with that brush, but I... You know, I get these impressions, and they are my own, and I share them, and I think it stimulates discussion. I don't like it when it upsets people, but, uh, you know, I'm not going to pull punches. I really feel like this is what's going on. But my opinion is not your opinion, and but I am interested if you can tell us a little bit about your experience on the ground at the convention. I just wonder how it works, how they keep dissent at bay. Uh, you know, maybe tell me your position and then how uh, how it you know, how kind of, what was interesting about being there. Wow. Okay, so that could be a, you know, a two-hour discussion. No, we don't, we don't <laughs> have two hours. You got to keep it quick. So tell and me what you got. There's a lot of background that we'll just have to gloss over. But the, Well, the, what's your position, first of all? My position is um, uh, a delegate. Georgia has, every state sends delegates to the National Convention. Georgia had 76 delegates. And so I was one of the delegates, and the delegates are actually in three different categories. There's uh, what they call an at-large delegate, which is elected at the state Republican convention. Then there are congressional district delegates, or CD delegates, which is what I was, and I was elected at the 7th district congressional uh, district there. And then there's a special positions that are held by members of the party at the state level. So... Um, 
uh, it makes a total of 76 people, and they're on the floor. You know, 76 seats are for Georgia, and then right behind us was, you know, in front of us was California, and the left was, you know, just, the states are scattered all over the floor. The floor actually looks much smaller when you get there in person. Hey, um, tell me something. So the you people had to vote in proportion to the primary results, correct? Okay, so that is the big issue. Um, I, I believe in most Many delegates, well, not most, a, 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 a large number of delegates believe that that is not the case and has never been the case, that delegates are elected as a representative government type system, so the uh, model. So the, gov- the delegates go to the convention and they vote for the candidate that they believe is the best one. Now, traditionally, they do vote for who they are assigned. They're assigned based on the results of the primary vote that we had. Um, the Republican Party would have uh, was strongly um, indicating that yes, delegates are assigned, and there was no choice other than to vote for the candidate you were assigned to. For my particular congressional district, I was a Trump delegate. So, although I was not a Trump supporter, and, and I am trying to get on the Trump train, by the way, I was not a Trump supporter at the, the time. A- the ABC, anything but Hillary, <laughs> a- anything but Clinton train. Well, that, that, that's a horrible. That's a horrible reason to vote for. Trump. Okay, good. But, yeah, that's sure. great. I agree. I, I like the positivity. That's great. So, um, I, I was actually a Cruz supporter. I worked for the Cruz campaign. So, I go up there and I am bound, as they say, to Trump. Now, according to the rules as they were written in 2012, and a lot of, like I say, we could talk about this for a couple hours, but um, I was one of the people that believed that the delegates actually could vote how they wanted to do. The week before the convention, the Rules Committee got together to to write the rules for the 2016 convention, because until the, the delegates vote on the rules, they operate on the rules from 2012. In 2016, there was a particular delegate from Colorado who wanted to add a a very specific, uh, they call it a conscience clause, which would free the delegates on the first ballot. They could vote for whoever they wanted to. The Republican Party said, no, you, you can't do that. So the Republican Party actually defeated her um, and all of her supporters in and, uh, and, and, and a lot of different procedural ways they did, and they modified the rules that were going to be presented to the the convention on Monday, the first day of the convention, um, to actually specifically say two things. One, yes, you are bound to the candidate that you are assigned to, which wasn't really spelled out that way in the rule. Right. And two, even if you end up voting for somebody else, it doesn't matter because we're going to count it as if you voted the right way. So, Oh, I was going to say, how did they keep people if, from if just not had, casting the wrong vote? Yeah, wow. So, so if these new rules were accepted in Georgia stood up and the chairman said, uh, you know, the great state of Georgia cast 76 votes for uh, Marco Rubio, the delegate secretary, the, the convention secretary would have said, that's 41 votes for Donald Trump and whatever, whatever. Right. It would have been apportioned as they were done. Right. So these rules came up for a vote on Monday, and that was the last chance. So the, the, the people who were looking done by the delegates had three chances. Number one was to actually modify the rules so that it was clearly spelled out. They could vote their conscience. Number two was to issue what's called a minority report, which only required 20, I think 28 people in the Rules Committee to get that on the floor to be voted for, saying they could vote their conscience. The Republican Party, sh- and working with Donald Trump, working very closely with Donald Trump, who, you know, Mr. Outsider, working within the heavy party structure, got both of those shot down. The last attempt they had to do was on Monday when the rules came up for a vote to vote down the proposed rules, which would mean operate under the 2012 rules, which 
most people assume now, especially since the Republican Party had to clarify it in the 2016 rules, the 2012 rules allowed delegates to vote their conscience. So that was where the contention... So why didn't you vote your conscience? Um, well, here... You know what I mean? Like, you could have caused a problem, right? Like, you could have upset the apple cart if you said, I'm voting for Cruz. Um, but you didn't because why? Well, it, it, there's a couple of things. Uh, I, w- I, I would not have wanted to start a f- losing battle, but I'm <laughs> well, just curious. So, so, so there's, it, like, if you're on a horse and you think the horse is out of control and you decide, wow, I've got to do something, you can grab the reins and pull as hard as you can, but you may get thrown off the horse. Right. right. If you can instead... Uh-huh. I think work, that happened to Ron Paul delegates in 2012, actually. If you can work to guide the horse in a yeah. direction. Okay. Here, here is a, a fact that uh, very few people know, and I hope I don't get in a great deal of trouble for saying, but um, the Georgia delegation never actually voted. Uh, and this happened all over the convention. Most really? didn't actually, the delegates didn't actually get a chance to vote. The chairman of the state convention just got up and announced the results. And read it right off the primary results, yeah. basically. Yeah. So wow. If, if the rules had been, you know, the old rules had been accepted, there was that big yes, no. If you look at the teleprompter in the back, this happened in almost every vote. The chairman was reading it. It says, you know, we have an opinion on, uh, we're asking for yay if you, the new roles. And they, all those in favor say yay, all those opposed no. And the teleprompter says, in the opinion of the chair, the ayes have it. <laughs> and the rules. No way. So, um, Whoa, so you're saying they took the vote, but the answer was already on the teleprompter. Well, then delegates tried to get up and say, you know, we <laughs> want to have a roll call vote to make oh sure. Oh, my gosh. But the problem is there are these um, there were these floor whips which were designed to keep order. They worked for Trump and the RNC, and so they would start as soon as the delegate could get to a microphone and try to say something. They would start chants of USA so that no one could hear what was going on. And it was wow. Um, they also you know blocked the microphones at times and made it difficult. But you know I understand what they're trying to do. It, 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 in my opinion. Honestly, the people who voted for the new rules had the majority. And if they had taken right. the time, it would have taken a lot more time. Right. If they had taken time, gone down the roll call, the new rules would have passed, then the delegates definitely would have been bound, and then the convention would have proceeded exactly as it was set up. So, right, and, and they actually, they, I remember, was it not the DNC last time, where Mayor Villarreal, or whatever, I forget what his name was, uh, Villaraigosa, whatever, the L.A. guy got up, and he asked... The people what they wanted. I think it was like to take God out of the platform, yeah. something like that. And they were you, people were absolutely clear they wanted God out of the platform. He's like, we can't do that. That's that's not the plan. And he, and he kept taking revotes. So I'm sure that I mean I assume that's why they did it. But I did hear stuff like that about the Ron Paul uh, 2012. And I noticed with that delegation, the uh, convention in 2012, there was a lot. It was very buttoned up. Even the people looked buttoned up, like in suits and stuff, except for the Ron Paul outsiders, who some were escorted off the floor. But I thought it was, and I remembered last time that the DNC was like wild, people wearing funny hats and everything, whereas this time I saw the NR, the RNC, the people looked way different from, from last time. Did you get any kind of vibe? Were you there last time? No, I wasn't there last time, but from what I remember on TV, I, yeah, they did, and they allowed a lot of people, and they allowed a lot of discussion, and they were, you know, I, I think the best way to have solved this would have been to take the motion that there be a roll call vote and do the roll call vote, and then you know, even if it, it had to, a uh, majority of delegates had to vote for it, so that's 1,237. So even if it had passed by only 10 or 15 votes, 
I think a large majority of those who are rule-following traditional Republican conservatives would have said, okay, you know, we accept it, we lost, the new rules are in place, and, and, and uh, we're voting for the nominee as we're assigned. I, I'm not saying that if I had been free, I would have not voted for Donald Trump, even though, yeah. you know, that Trump supporter, because the yeah. consequences of doing this... Yeah, you want to do... The, yes. Yeah, the, the, the party would have just... I don't know what would have happened, and the Republican Party realizes this, and so they were... Right. They were. They had a tough situation, and they did. They did handle it. It was handled, you know. Yeah, they did. Ha- I expected some fireworks. I've got to. Uh, I've got to cut to a break, David. Sure. I really appreciate that you called. It. It did take courage. Now you know what it's like. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I feel every Saturday. Uh, it takes a little courage to get out there. It was very interesting getting your perspective from the floor. I, I have long thought that this cycle would be used to button up some rules at the uh, party level, so I think that's probably happening. It did, yes. And uh, and thank you very much for your invitation to uh, go to your meeting on Tuesday at 7 at Praise the Lord Barbecue in Buford. I really appreciate it, David. Sure, we'll see you then. Okay, thanks. Thanks. So that was David Hancock, a, uh, a delegate to the convention, giving us some inside scoop, which I loved. He invited me to an event Tuesday, which I'm going to. I'm also going to Liberty on the Rocks Thursday. So if you're confused, just go to my website and all, lay it all out there. And then back to the calls. I've got a full bank of calls. Well, hang on. I'm going to get to everybody. 404, I have some lines at 800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me at Monica Perez Show. Monica Perez on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. 83 degrees outside the studio, and storms are in the area. So stay tuned to WSB for weekend weather brought to you by Shoemate Heating and Air. I have a lot of backlog on the calls. Thanks, guys, for holding. I'm going to Chris in Lawrenceville. Hi, Chris. You're on with Monica. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Um, I called because I heard Sarah talking to you, and she brought up World War One and World War Two, and then, you know, you brought up propaganda. Um, a lot of things... You know, that we're told growing up is that there was a good war and, and, you know, this and that. But underneath all of it, um, what was really happening, and one of the things that really struck my mind was called the, the Balfour Declaration. Have you ever heard of that? Yes, the Balfour Declaration was, I believe, a letter written by Balfour to a Rothschild approving the establishment of the of the state of israel or an israel a, a jewish settlement in palestine under british protection that's the balfour declaration yes i mean that's exactly what it is and it's um, like a one sentence it's like a paragraph yeah and and that was the only way that britain and america well it was really britain was going to get pulled into the war and when germany saw this um and this goes even further back this this goes back even before the war even really started about what built up this tension between uh, the different countries. But um, when they when they signed the armistice, you know, to stop the war, um, it was just it, the propaganda really just started then. I, you know, it came over here to America and our newspapers saying that there's an evil war going on and we must enter it to, to fight. Well, that's interesting. Can I interrupt you for a sec, Chris? I just finished reading a bestseller 
uh, called Lawrence in Arabia. I forget the author, yes. which is shameful, but uh, and it, it was a bestseller. I don't normally read bestsellers, but I want to know the official story first, and then what I usually do is I put a little asterisk next to the footnotes and the bibliography and say, mm, I wonder if that's really the whole story. So I still I haven't done that process yet, but I just finished the book, Lawrence in Arabia, and it was surprising how much of what was going on over there in the Middle East during World War One was about oil, was about using jihad as, a, as an instrument. It, it's very interesting how I, I think our State Department representative was a guy named William Yale, who was actually mm-hmm. at the same time employed by Standard Oil. Yes, all of those people all of those people that um, are our officials in government, they also have a background of, of money. And, um, you know, a lot of it's in media, a lot of it's in oil. And that's kind of the, the point that you're talking about now is, you know, we have Trump and we have Hillary, but who are the people behind them? Like, who are the ones that are pulling the strings? Well, you can actually find the connections because they oh, have people in sure. common. That They both knew yeah. Jeffrey Epstein. They both knew Charles Kushner. Both of those guys are, are felons, by the way. I, it's an it's an amazing it's amazing too just that and I, I see in the schools a lot about this history that we're taught you know we're just supposed to accept everything we're told, um, and it's just kind of disturbing that it's kind of gone this far and I really saw it um, at the RNC when Ben Carson came out and um, brought up Saul Alinsky and. I know there's got to be a huge number of, of, of people in the world that have no idea who this guy yeah, is. Yeah, no but. idea. But I will tell you, i got to cut you a break. Sorry, Chris. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about the propaganda after the break. But it is good to uh, question your sources, especially in government schools. 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK, or you can tweet at me, at Monica Perez Show.